On behalf of the entire Crazy Hub Productions crew, I want to thank you for following, subscribing, and listening to our Family Ties podcast series hosted by our homie Jay Havana. In season one, we wanted to take the opportunity to celebrate our company's 25 years of existence. We wanted to give a voice to everyone involved in the Crazy Hood movement. And moving forward, we want this podcast series to celebrate those behind the scenes of a movement. The stories behind the stories. So far you've heard from Paul, aka Weird Thoughts, aka Drink Champ Sports, Big Drain, Eddie Giggs, Heckler, Charlie Skins, Oso, Landy, Dro, Boris, aka Beats in the Hood, and Garcia. Soon you'll hear from me, DJ EFN. But before we get into my story, we wanted to talk to a couple friends and associates. People who have been around us over the years. People who have worked with us in some way throughout our many ventures. The next couple of weeks, we'll hear from them. So without further ado, let's hear from our friends and let's see what they got to say about us. From Crazy Hood Productions, I'm Jay Havana and this is Family Ties. In today's episode... We talk to our extended Crazy Hood family. You'll hear stories from Raskat, Big Teach, and Thurston Howe III. You'll hear Moni Love speak about her first recording session with DJ EFN, and stories from Capone when he came home and Crazy Hood accepted him with open arms. We'll spend some time reflecting on the past, but showing love and admiration to the hoods with stories from Phil the Mayor and Scam. We'll also share moments with Hazardous Sounds and DJ KNS. And stories from David Banner and a familiar name you've heard on Family Ties, Nick Fury. All of these stories were shared from a place of love and support of Crazy Hood Productions. Over the past 25 years, our goal was to represent hip-hop in its purest form. And while doing so, we built friendships that have lasted a lifetime. Let's listen in to our first conversation. You might know him from the group Mayday. He's a close friend of ours. Here's my conversation with Recognize. What's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Oh, man. Um, I actually started coming out. I, I used to live about 25 minutes north of Miami. I grew up in um, Hollywood. When, when my family first moved to Florida from England, we lived in North Miami Beach, but by the time I started going to school, we had moved up to Broward. So I was in Broward. I started kind of coming down to, to check out the like battle scene. I wanted to get into like the music scene down in Miami. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started working with this producer, Nick Fury. And Nick um, and, and I, he, we started working together. He was producing some tracks for me. We were talking at the time about maybe, you know, putting together some sort of management deal, coping production deal so we were talking i was going down to kendall from hollywood like every other weekend and um he at the time told me look um, there's this mixtape opportunity that i might be able to get you on um this guy dj efn he um he's getting some mcs together at the time and he's gonna do uh you know they want to all record it in the same studio at uh, miami dade so i want you to come down and like be a part of it you know efn like cleared cleared having you on the track so i was like man cool Mm -hmm. and i was hyped man i wanted to break into the circuit you know yeah. so it's like this is my shot you know i'm like 18 17 maybe no nah, i must have been i was probably 18 i don't think i was out of high school yet i was just getting out of high school and um so i was hyped man i knew that there was like gonna be a bunch of like miami mcs on the track it was like dinaz laura diamante garcia heckler um weird thoughts was on it uh man there's a bunch of people on that track so um, we went to Miami Dade, and I, I, that was the first time I met EFN that I can remember. I'm pretty sure that's the first time I ever met him. And um, I don't think, 
I don't think everyone that was on the track ended up being in the studio at the same time. There were some parts already recorded, mm-hmm. but I know that some of the some of the crazy hoods were in there. I'm pretty sure Heckler was there. Um, I think Garcia might have been there at that time, and I, I was able to go in there and put my verse down for the track, and that ended up being like my first actual mixtape appearance, like ever. Wow. So I so I go like yeah like so I always told E you know even if you, when we got cool and started to become friends and start working together for real for real, I was always like man I don't know if you even remember but you gave me my first like mixtape appearance and it's like a, a milestone for me that I'll like never forget and I've always been like super appreciative so that's kind of like that was when I first got exposed to Crazy Hood from there I kind of like knew of EFN as this mixtape king and then I like knew that he had a crew of of, of like artists and, and, and friends and stuff that, that did events and did all kinds of shit in Miami and then I kind of because I came into the scene a little bit late had to kind of do my history mm. on crazy goods and everything so for me it was like I came in late it was already kind of full, in full swing and I was just kind of like one of the younger cats coming around and then you know Dude, I, I, I try to do what I feel like a lot of younger kids don't do when they like get around some OGs. They don't really like do their research, you know. So yeah. for me, for me, it was like, yo, I need to, I need to learn the scene, learn who's in the crew, and I, you know, yeah, I just started kind of going to events and and just trying to trying to be a part of the movement in a sense. If you could remember, like uh, going back to that first that first time meeting him in the studio, how was that? How was it like? How was that experience? Uh, you know, he, he's like a. He's like he commands like a, a a certain amount of respect when you meet him, but at the same time he's like the, like one of the friendliest dudes you ever meet. So it's like, and the dude is hilarious too. So it's like <laughs> such a good combination of like of 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 attributes, man. Like really, I knew the guy was like in, he was he was big in the music scene in Miami. He was like a big deal, and he was making shit happen. And he, you know, they were they were doing a lot of stuff. So I knew that it was like important, and he was you know he carried himself with like with that weight but without being too you know too arrogant or like not friendly and then at the same time was just like you know the loud hilarious cuban dude that he is so like you know had the room cracking up and dying and i was just like a fly on the wall in the beginning because i was not only am I, I was just coming into a scene i didn't know anything about really or you know i was just kind of the youngster in the room i was just like young at heart and at you know in my own mind so i didn't really like i was just like the kind of kid who kicks it and just peeps game and just like hey when it's my turn to do my thing here i'm gonna try and impress you guys and do my thing and and then yeah just i don't know i was just kind of like along for the ride but yeah i would say you know when you meet efn he is really like a dynamic personality very dominant personality but at the same time like somebody you want to like have a beer with yeah (laughs) what does crazy hood mean to miami Man, to me, I feel like crazy bird means like authenticity, like and 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 the closest you can really get to like native local Miami like culture. You know, like they are really like a- about Miami culture from the jump. Um, in a city that is like so riddled with like transplants and and you know a lot of people aren't from here I'm, I'm i'm not i'm not born in miami myself like i'm an immigrant to miami too so it's just like miami has a lot of moving culture because of the fact that there's so many people from so many different places so sometimes uh, miami has a lack of identity at least in the last like 20 years so mm-hmm. it's especially in the music scene people come from all over they come from 
York, they come from Atlanta, they come from all over, and then they kind of just, it's like their summer home for real, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it's like, there's no one really like throwing the flag out for us. It's kind of like everybody's just like, Miami's this place where the rich and famous meet and do, do their thing. It's like another Sin City. Right. So for me, when I first like got exposed to Crazy Hood, for me, it's like, oh, this is like, this is like what, it's like where the locals go for real it's like this is like a, a bunch of dudes that are here like repping from miami on some like we are like a bunch of us are born and raised or just completely raised in in the city we love the city and like we want to like push the culture forward and, mm-hmm. and it shows a lot because it especially when i first got exposed to it the years all the years back there wasn't a lot of that you know and especially right. i was from broward in broward there was none of that zero of that there was really nobody doing anything musically or you know on the national scale broward like and i lived in hollywood hollywood was just not really it was just a little bit de-evolved from what Miami was. So when I came to Miami, I saw not only was there all these jams and these parties and like, and battles and all this, like all people putting out vinyls and stuff. It was like, there was all that. And then on top of that, there was these people that were like very staunch defenders of like local culture. And I was like super into that. Having a close uh, friendship with E, Crazy Hood and Mayday, how, how important is it to have that brotherhood in hip hop going through, you know, the good and tough times? Um, man, you know, it's just, you know, the, the music business, even hip hop or just across the board in general is just such a cutthroat industry. And it's so, it's only gotten harder in the last, you know, 10, 20 years that it's, it's, uh, you find a lot of people double cross each other. A lot of people backstab. A lot of people are just very out for themselves. They're not really like trying to help out their brother or their neighbor. So, um, for me, the brotherhood that these guys like were showing each other, is like infectious. It's like something you kind of want to be a part of. It's like this boys club that you like, yeah. man, I want to be down with that. Like they all look out for one another and they all like, it's just like a good family atmosphere, you know? So right. it's just like, that's something that the music industry is hard to find. And when you do find it, it's, you know, sometimes it doesn't last. People fall out or people change or life happens. And people get torn apart. So for them to be able to keep it together the way they have and keep it together for the length of time they have, I feel like, man, it's just, it's been, it's been instrumental for my enjoyment of like the Miami culture, the Miami hip hop scene. And then for Mayday, as far as Mayday goes, really like without, without EFN and Crazy Hood's like influence, like Mayday wouldn't be in the same position that we're in today you know we would have taken a different path i don't know where that path would have been but i know that we, we would have taken the path we, we've taken today like without efn can you elaborate on that influence well yeah 100 well i mean it, right early from the beginning um burn and plex when they started made it they had already known efn longer than i had like uh-huh. they were already part of the scene whereas like i was kind of like the newcomer kind of kid coming from out of town uh, burns and plex known efn since back in the day like they they did shows together they would they you know they came up together so like just their musical influence and stuff that they cut their teeth on when they were coming up um you know is a lot of influence because they were in the same circles as as crazy hood so i know that that just going back to the early years and then right around uh maybe about a year about a year year and a half after i joined made it became like an actual member of the group um you know we brought ef on efn in as a manager as a co-manager mm. and 
we yeah so we we had a we had um andrea casales was managing us um solely and then we wanted to bring in uh efn and and another guy uh keller galubada who's on the west coast so mm-hmm. we kind of put together this like all-star team of like people to we call them the trifecta you know so we had yeah. the trifecta to like come in and really like push all the buttons and kind of get on our backs and like get us where we needed to go so they all kind of like handled different aspects of Mayday's career in terms of like booking the shows uh working on like pitching us to to agencies and sponsorships and labels and efm was bringing in features and show opportunities with all the connects that he had so he really like he really took us under his wing as you know this is this is my group this is my group that i'm repping and working and kind of like man out of all the features that we've done we've done a lot of features and made his catalog to date i would say man you've got to attribute Man, I, I'm, it's like it's hard to pin it to a number, but I would say it's got to be 70%. If not, I mean, I'm being like maybe a little bit modest, maybe it's more. I would say at least 70 to 80% of those features are, are brought through wow. EFN. Wow. You know? Yeah, so like before we had signed to Strange Music, we were able to to make records with like stellar artists of all kinds of levels, you know, from all mm-hmm. different walks of life, all different avenues of hip hop. So it's like, man, he really exposed us um, and was able to like really diversify our catalog before we even had a record deal. Wow. You know? Wow. Which was like, yeah, it was it was it was really instrumental in like getting the buzz that we got that got us like to the places that we've been, you know. Yeah. Can you um, uh, share that story of how um, E started uh, to um, co-manage you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it's it's kind of hazy now because it's been it's been so long. But I mean, it um, at the time we had uh, we had one manager and um, she was doing a good job. But we wanted to we wanted to expand. We wanted to like expand very aggressively at the time. We you know we were super hungry to get onto like the national scale. We knew what we were doing in Miami was good. We had like local parties that were popping. Like, you know, the, the local party would be sold out around the corner, and we knew that we had a good vibe. And what we were doing was dope, but we just didn't really know how to break out of Miami. Mm. And we knew EFN going back all those years, and knew that he had such good experience on the national level, and he had taken Crazy Hood to places that we wanted to go with Mayday. So we were like, look, let's see if we can bring him in, and we brought him in, and he, you know asked them if they would be interested in co-managing us and it was kind of like a no-brainer at that point so yeah it was just like by the time that we started talking to E about management we were so kind of cool with the crew and we were kind of family already at that point yeah. so it was really like a no-brainer it wasn't really like we were introducing him into like a foreign situation or he had to even really think about it that much he he was already kind of supportive of our movement he he had already actually spent some time working with Mayday uh, through Southby he, Southby was the first indie record deal that, that Mayday got uh-huh. and um, this was before I had joined the group so it was just two-man group at the time and and efn was consulting for that record label so there was like an already a connection made you know between efn and mayday at that time so he already knew the group he knew the music he believed in the movement believed in the music so i feel like when it came time for us to expand and we wanted to actually bring him on as like an official manager of the group it was kind of like a no-brainer it didn't really take a lot of uh he already kind of knew the landscape you know what i'm saying right yeah, I feel like it was yeah, it was actually very organic at that point. That's cool. How's it feel to see Crazy Hood continuously grow and evolve throughout the years? Oh uh, man, it's the best. It's like it's like watching a family member like, you know, like gain accolades and like 
milestones along their life. So it's just like I've known I've known all these guys now going on like ten years, ten plus years, and I love every one of them. So just to see it moving and see like all the grind and know like all the struggles and all the hustles over the years to like get to the places that they've been able to go and then still growing and still doing it with the like same passion they were doing it when I like walked in to that like session in Miami Dade all those years ago is just like man it's fun to watch man it's just like in a game and an industry that's so riddled with like hardship yeah. it's fun to like see people that really love what they do still and like are doing it well and getting places and having successes you know it's just it's just fun to watch if you could say anything to the crew uh, what would you say to them oh uh, man I would say uh, it's like less than a month until my year of sobriety is over so um, I'm looking forward to drinking with my hoods again <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah man it's, it's it's been a joy to watch, and I'm, I've been glad to be a part of the story. And uh, I really do, at the end of the day, like consider all these brothers family, and and uh, they've always shown me nothing but love, and I appreciate that. And uh, and yeah, I look forward to you know another another 25 plus years of uh, of watching and being a part of like the crazy story. Our next guest is co-owner of the clothing line DM and headliner market group, Phil the Mayor. So, what's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Man, I got I, the, the messed up part about this whole thing is that the earliest the, the earliest memories, right, is two men. <laughs> when I first when I first came down to Miami, right, I came down to Miami probably in ninety six, ninety seven. Okay, I started I started working with uh, this music conference called How Can I Be Down mm. in Miami, and I knew that the go to guys was Crazy Hood Productions, especially I lived in this little suburb called Kendall, right? Uh, so it's yeah. like a suburb to hold Miami moving a little forward into the years of me staying here I started doing parties myself and um my earliest like one of my greatest memories right you know to to a great friend and a and an amazing uh lyricist and artist prodigy Mm. right I remember doing a show with Mob Deep on South Beach but I would bring them all the way down to Kendall to come to uh DJ EFN's store he had a store yeah. Like where they had apparel, all their merch. They used to sell their mixtapes. They had a studio. So I remember bringing Prodigy and the whole Mob Deep all the way to Kendall. Like you could only imagine where a bunch of kids are at. Right. At that time, it was probably, I don't even know, it was like late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. right? Me bringing them there, even fast forward even a little more, a couple of years after that, I remember even probably the same two years, I remember bringing Nori. Wow. And I introduced Nori to EFN. Wow. I brought him to the uh, to the store. I did a couple of shows with him and I did the same thing. And you know, I mean, it's just a blessing in seeing the transitioning from the early 2000s to now. And what they have built is uh, is kind of incredible. But like I said, this, the stories I can tell you is so many. I, used, I Me and my partner, Michael Garner, we have a company called Headliner Market Group. Mm-hmm. We did a tour, a, uh, a Jay-Z tour, right? And uh, we were just doing an album release party. And yeah. at that time, uh, EFN was working with Def Jam, right? Uh-huh. I remember us getting mixtapes. Uh, we printed T-shirts. We went to Marshalls and bought Rockaware T-shirts. We we went and got a Foot Locker and bought some S. Dot Carters and went on a full-blown tour. On We made our own tour. 
right? Ain't nobody could tell us. This is this is like unclassified shit, you know. Right. And we went market to market all over Florida, and we made our own Jay Z uh, blackout tour. <laughs> and you know, all thanks to EFN and his team, you know, giving us all the merchandising. I, at that at that time, man, it, it's just too many. But it's all good, fun stories, and you know, moving forward is like wow. You know what we made it is great so yeah. yeah it's good stuff what does crazy hood mean to miami oh, it's culture it's, it's, the, it's the official culture if it, it's it's started by a bunch of kids you know with a with a look for for rat um some of his guys were deep into the to the filming and you know the b-boys and mixtapes so they, they had it all across every genre you could think of in miami they were the first ones that I knew that had their hands and everything that early in the stage. Mm. And, you know, for, for a bunch of kids to have mixtapes out, kids filming, kids will have their own artists, graffiti, B-boys, it, it was dope. And to this day, I haven't even seen another team ever do it that way. You know, being around them, uh, what have you learned that you apply when uh, um, to your job today? Consistency. Mm. Super consistent. You know what I mean? They stuck to their guns and they went for it. Like, there was no stopping them. So, you know, from them, I used to see them. They had DJ EFN t-shirts, Crazy Hood Production t-shirts, mixtapes. Uh, you know what I mean? And, like, you'll see them at the schools. You'll see them on South Beach. When, at that point, South Beach was South Beach. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. They were the only ones out there still promoting, guerrilla promoting. And you don't see that to this day anymore. That's, like, unheard of. Everybody got a phone. Yeah. These guys stuck to it and moving so good, like, say, on their podcast and what they do with Drink Champs, mm -hmm. they now reach the masses globally. So you can only imagine they were reaching masses at early in their stages yeah. on, on a ground level. So, you know, it's so it's so good for, like, say, teams like us and people that grew up around them just to see the consistency and, and camaraderie from their crew. Mm-hmm. They've always stuck together, and that's the beauty of it, you know. And it's hard to find that, you know, a bunch of guys that stick together. Is you know, super humble, and they were always super hungry. How does it? How does it feel to see Crazy Hood continuously grow and evolve throughout the years? Oh man, this is this dope. I love it. I remember just meeting. Uh, I remember seeing EFN, like I said, in the clothing store that they had. Moving forward to, I remember them having. Uh, they had an office. Like in like in a warehouse back like, you, it was like you know the, it was the, it was the grind back in that time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And now you know I, I'm listening on the radio and I'm hearing people, kids. I got family members that are young. Be like, hey, did you hear about Drink Champs? I'm like, I, you guys got to be kidding me right now. <laughs> like those those are my guys, man. And I tell the story to a lot of people. I'm like, listen, man. I remember introducing them two guys, man. And it's like I said, moving so much forward that the camaraderie stayed there and they they use it to their advantage to to manage to show people that it could be done mm -hmm. it's super fly man it's super fly what, what does crazy hood mean to hip hop oh man like no, again it's like almost going back to the, what you asked me earlier about culture it's just like yeah. you know they, they were the they are an epitome they are they're a set stone of Miami so you know you have like say the Luke Uncle Luke's and uh Uncle Al's and all those guys, but then you know to to our history of like the earlier cool hip hop, 
when the kids were traveling, like say a lot of New Yorkers were migrating to Miami and from other cities, right. you know, those are the people that we knew. Like, you know, I knew the, the EFNs and there was other DJs in, uh, in the neighborhood, but these guys were like, they weren't only DJing in the neighborhood, they were DJing at South Beach in the big clubs. Mm-hmm. And they just showcased like mad stuff. And like all these artists would appeal to them. Like EFN was like one of the only ones that I remember having a consistent mixtape all the time. Wow. Like every time, bro, yeah. he had a mixtape going on. It's good history on, on their end. So if you could say anything to Crazy Hood, what would you say? My my only two things that I would, my only one thing, two words would be thank you. Our next guest is another close friend of Crazy Hood and owner of world famous House of Mac, Big Teach. What does Crazy Hood mean to Miami hip hop? Um, when I moved down here from New York, um, I think Crazy Hill was probably the purest uh, connection to hip hop, um, in my opinion, in Miami. Um, and they always just stayed uh, true, true to it. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, obviously, you know, I I, I told EFN and. Um, Nori last time when I when I saw him at um at the Revolt conference, you know, I was just telling them like how how proud I am of 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 him, you know, for just being so consistent um over the years. Mm. So, I mean, you know, Crazy Hood, you know, they had their movement and you know, like even, you know, the 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 entire circle, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. like they ain't never switch up. It's like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the same dudes that I seen around him, circling him, and all that. You know, twenty years ago, that's the that's the same people that's around him now. That's that's a that's a that's a true testament to um to character, and um you know, um EFN and 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 the whole crazy you know, they they've always been like a real dope representation of uh of hip hop. Uh, what's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Well, I came out in '98, so that's when I got um, familiar with them. I, I came home. I'm, 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 I moved down in uh, in '98 from New York, and um, you know, it was ringing a lot of bells out here when I when I touched down. Mm. Do you have any uh, favorite stories? Uh, I mean, I don't, my 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 journey's been like uh, pretty crazy. I mean, I got a, I got a million stories. Top of stories in the South, but what I can say about um, you know EFN and Crazy Hood as a whole, I mean, you know they they've supported me, you know my entire journey. You know what I mean? Whether it's been through mm-hmm. Pit and now it's like with music, and you know, I mean, you know, I, I got pictures from uh, I, I did a, they did a, my wife did a surprise birthday party for me, and um, it had to be like two thousand and. Two, two thousand and three, mm-hmm. and it was like you know Pitbull before he popped off and Lil John and like all these dudes at the party, and it's like you know what I mean I'm looking through the thing and like the the, the, the first dude standing next to me is EFN, you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. singing Happy Birthday and you know what I mean blowing our candles and shit like that. So, um, I mean I don't I don't I, don't, I mean it's too you know what I mean like journey's just been crazy man. It's too yeah. many sto- it's too many stories, but you know one thing I can say is uh you know. Um, you know, homie, and I've been, you know, supportive and 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 in my corner. You know what I mean? Since since day one, for, for me coming down, very, you know what I mean? Just very inspirational. 
um, to everything that I've been doing. So yeah, that's t- that's cool. Uh, any last words? No, nah, that's it. All right, dope. <laughs> that was easy. Shout out Crazy Hood. That's what's up, man. Our next guest is a talented artist who's worked with Eminem, A Tribe Called Quest, and designed the Drink Champs logo. He's also been a longtime friend of the crew and has collaborated with them on various projects throughout the years. Let's listen in to my interview with the homie Scam. What's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Um, earliest memory is... I want to say... I somehow connected him in Dead Prayers and we went down to his shop in Kendall. Um, I could be wrong about it. I mean, it was a while ago, but uh, I got on one of his mixtapes. Um, I don't remember if it was... Yeah, it was like a little eight track recorder, a little portable one. Deed had it. So I don't remember if it was for Deed's mixtape or EFN or if they were doing a mixtape together. I don't I don't remember. Or if I did two different mixtapes. But um, you know, he he let me get on that and I and I thought that was uh I guess for me it was dope. I always felt like, you know, underrated as hell. So Hey, back then I was okay. I'm a lot better better now but i was okay back then and and he let me get on on um on joints and and he had a lot of heavy hitters mm-hmm. on his his mixtapes so to me that was like okay yeah all right i'm a, i'm in good company like he fucks with me like he thinks i'm dope enough to to be on his shit right i think he was like the first probably the first mixtape dj that put me on some. Wow. Or definitely the first one in Miami, at the very least. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that I was like, you know what? I, I don't know how much he knew about me or my music, but like, you know what I'm saying? He let me get on. So, yeah, I guess that's, I guess that's why, you know what I'm saying? Out of a lot of other things, like I'm sure I had seen him at many other events uh-huh. through the years. Yeah. But, um, that, that one, I, you know, I always remember. Like it, that was for that was very uh, significant to me. Right. What What did that mean to you when like you got on a mixtape? It was like it was good. It was dope because like you know he had a lot of official people on on there. Mm-hmm. So, but but you know, in, in a sense, like having done things like especially in the New York underground before, mm-hmm. it was. In a, in a way, business as usual. Um, but at the same time, uh, I, I didn't really do anything with anybody from home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? From the crib. So, so I mean, I, I can't say it was like anything specific like, yo! But um, must must have meant something to me because I still remember the shit. <laughs> What does uh what does crazy hood mean to Miami? Shit, it all depends on who you ask. <laughs> Some people don't like it, but uh, um, I can't even think of a non-crazy hood time. They're like an institution at this point, right? So I I, I can't speak for nobody else, but uh, for me, mm-hmm. that's like that's like knowing someone at every show almost 
Because, right. you know, somebody from Crazy Hood going to be there. And if you fam, it's like, yo, what's up? I'm getting in. I don't know. Shit, I might go out someplace. I don't even know how I'm getting in. Oh, shit. He, what up? Oh, man. Yeah. So it's like having a... It's like having your connect everywhere. At least for me. Right. Like, you just connected to so much shit. And I'm actually a very, very knowledgeable dude. But as a whole... I think there are a lot of things that people might not even know that uh, people in Crazy Hood any, had anything to do with. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, let's say, you know, Garcia, um, you know, he he kind of jumped off into the, the film side and directing independent films. And, um, you know, there's some big videos out there that I'll be having to tell people, like, yo, you know, uh, you know Garcia did that. Garcia from Crazy Hood? Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Crazy Film Academy. So, it's just kind of reached a point where I think the sign of, like, really doing things is when no one knows. Right. It's like they see the ripples, but they ain't see what fell in the water. Mm -hmm. So, like, at this point, I don't know, it's just a lot of a lot of silent movement. Like, Drink Champs came from that. Drink Champs is like, I, now I got it. I got it. When I talk about what I did, like just trying to tell people, yo, uh, you know, Eminem, uh, Trap Called Quest. I got to say Drink Champs now. It's that big. Wow. I say I did Drink Champs logo. People start flipping. You did that? You did Drink Champs? You know those guys? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know dude. So, um, the scene has changed. So it's like to say, it's not like back in the days where, you know what I mean? Like, Everything meant so much more. Right. Because uh, everything wasn't as accessible. So, mm-hmm. it was definitely, the hand was heavier. Like, at least the way it was perceived and felt because it was like, but everything is so fast and everything moves uh, like that. It, it's hard to pick out any specific thing. It's just all coalesced. Everything's homogenized and coalesced in everything. Right. So, it's like, we're all a part of shit whether people know or not right so yeah that's that's you know for me that's a weird one to really assess mm-hmm. but uh I just think at this point it's like I to me and some people might look at this as blasphemy or whatever but I look at E like Uncle Al at least a real Miami people people that are from Miami Miami um you know what I'm saying new generation might not know Uncle Al like that but Uncle Al Man, he fucked with everybody. He didn't care if he was, a, you know, like a spitter or somebody from dope. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was a dope boy from trap. Like, you know, just, you might just rap for the for the homies. You know what I'm saying? He, he didn't care. You, yo, you want to get on the mic? He let me get on the underground radio. You know what I'm saying? That was probably like some pirate radio shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was the first time I ever got on the radio in Miami. And, uh, you know, whether it was that 10 block radius or whatever have you, but... You know, he ain't, he, cause a lot of people was like, oh, you on that New York shit. Oh, you be, you be rapping that, that hip hop, that lyric shit, dog. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. He didn't care. He was just like, he just loved the culture. He loved the music. All kinds, West Coast, up north, down south. He was just about it. At least that was my perception of it. Someone could probably come along and be like, you didn't know Uncle Al. That's not what he was like. But whatever. That was my, my perception of that moment. Um, so, you know, to me, 
like you know like things like Uncle Al, Poison Clan, Sugar Hill DJs. You know what I'm saying? Like I think of E as like one of the last great installments that he never stopped. He never stopped. He never relented. Mm. He just always kept following his passion for the culture. And you know, and you could talk to the dude. He ain't about just one thing. It's true. And, the, and neither, uh, and neither, uh, I think a lot, of, like a lot of the other crazy hood dudes, like they like all kinds of shit. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You probably talk to them about shit you wouldn't even know. You know, fucking yeah. Dodds, Garcia, Charlie, all them dudes. They're all crazy. They definitely, they're crazy. Yeah, crazy bunch. How does it feel to see Crazy Hood continuously grow throughout the years? Um, I love it. You know, I I love uh, I love seeing, you know, what I'm saying people that they stick together through thick and thin. A lot of the people I fuck with, um, I've known for ten, twenty years, and it, you know, it's saying it's just straight, just just as a point of reference, you don't see that shit. Like if you're a deeply flawed person. Mm-hmm. You don't keep those kinds of connections that long. In, mo- in most scenarios, maybe there are some people that do, but that's maybe like some, you know, s- some, uh, I forget what the word is, parasitic relationship. But yeah, so I, I like to see, you know, it's, it's like being, it's like turning the city of Miami into the, the bar from chairs. Like a roll up, oh, what up? You know, right. So to see them growing and then branching out and doing stuff, it's not like you see them and they doing the same thing they were doing ten years ago or even five years ago. But um, you know, I know I know Garcia's drive is crazy. Um, and and he and he just keeps doing shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it, it's great. And you know, and and there are certain things that uh, I I get the benefit of being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's just awesome being around shit. Like, oh shit. I mean, not that I don't. You know, I haven't. I don't got connects and shit like that. But it's dope when everybody can make even more connections to each other. Very I think cool. that's that's the best thing. Like to me, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, you know, I move around a lot, so I like for certain things to be like institutions. Mm. Like, ah, yes, y'all still rocking. Great. I fuck with that. I like that a lot. If you could say anything to Crazy Hood, what would you say? Y'all better get some more black people in there, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Perfect scam answer. <laughs> I mean, uh, nah, I, I don't know. What can you say, man? Let's, let's keep it going. I want to see what the next generation of crazy is going to be like. Right. Uh, keep expanding. Our next guest is a DJ, producer, and engineer, and a longtime friend of Crazy Hood. Here's my interview with DJ KNS. So what's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Um, probably in the uh, mid to late 90s. Um, you know, EFM was doing a lot of mixtapes, night, man. Uh-huh. 
and I was doing mixtapes in Broward, and for whatever reason, people, I don't, I don't even remember how I how I um, got up with those guys, but for whatever reason, people always used to try and make some type of rivalry between um, me and ESN with the mixtapes, you know, because he was Miami Mixtapes King. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, mixtapes was in my lane. It was just something that, you know, as a DJ, you had to do at that at that one time. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because, like, everybody was doing mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Like, if you couldn't get into a club or to the radio, then you had to do something. And, like, a lot of people was doing mixtapes. So I did a few mixtapes, but my whole thing was radio and club. So, you know, um, EFN was the guy for that, especially in Dade County. But I think uh, we used to get our tapes pressed up at the same uh, pressing plant, this dude named uh, Linford uh, that was in like plantation. He had a record pressing business, and they also did CD duplication and tape duplication. And um, just so happened that we was getting our stuff pressed up at the uh, the same plant. You know what I mean? So I mean, I think that that was probably my earliest memory of those guys. What does Crazy Hood mean to Miami? The face of hip hop in Miami, really. You know, real hip hop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not like um, the commercialized stuff because. Obviously, in every market you go, you know, um, there's going to be those breakout artists that are, um, that you'll see on a, on a national platform, you know what I'm saying? But the the actual scene that's going on in that city, you know, um, a lot of the majority of the people don't see that, but whoever's living in that city, if you're following the music scene, that you, you'll, you'll be in the know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, to me, like, they... they spearheaded um, you know the, the Miami hip hop movement back in the days you know what I mean mm-hmm. at least one of one of the pioneers you know working closely with E and Crazy Hood um, throughout and knowing them throughout the years how's it feel to see them continuously grow within hip hop it's amazing um, to see after so many years it's still going you know what I mean it's yeah. like 20 plus years so um, to have that longevity a lot of people um, you know, give up after a certain point or, you know what I mean, or, or life takes over and um, right. they, they still keeping it moving on various levels. So, you know, uh, it's actually, um, it, it's, it's kind of a, a proud moment in a sense. Right, right. That uh, these guys that, that I've known for so long that I've done work with um, are keeping the, uh, the movement going. Our next guest is the Polo Rican and Low Life General. Let's listen in to my interview with Thurston Howe III. So what's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Uh, I think I first met EFN like over the phone many years ago through an email. Uh, and while I was in New York, he hit me up and he told me uh, he had put one of my songs off the rock is on his new mixtape and then uh, he asked for my address and he mailed it to me so that was my first introduction to EFN you know the mixtape was banging and all that and then when I came out to Miami I, you know I looked him up and uh we've been cool ever since man you know good, good motherfucking peoples in your eyes what does crazy hood mean to hip hop uh crazy hood means to hip hop more than anything is the foundation of Miami, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're like pioneers, people that have been repping here, you know, lifers, most of their lives, they've been doing this. So, they definitely had a lot to do with, 
a lot of artists from Miami and, you know, representing them and underground and even mainstream, you know, so, and, you know, they're well-rounded in many things, so I salute them on that very much, you know, hard-working brothers, and they, and they make it happen. You know, when I first started coming back out to Miami, you know, as an artist and stuff, I would go hang at Crazy Hood um, Studios and all, I think it was in Kendall or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, Garcia used to be like, hey, we're going to do some songs. And I was like, and I knew Crazy Hood, EFN, Garcia, I knew they were real hard-working dudes. Like, you know, they were really pushing hard. So when Garcia was like, yo, you know, we're going to make a song, I was like, nah, man, we got a, I got a five-song minimum if I'm coming to your studio. Right. You know, because I know these guys are working hard, so I want to make sure... I'm on as much product as they have so they could push me along with themselves, you know? So I come to the studio with Garcia and we'll do five songs a night. Wow. And then, uh, and then he'll, and then he let his, his hard drive crash. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. Damn. None of those songs ever came out. Ah. How does it feel to see Crazy Hood continuously grow throughout the years? proud to see where they at now and you know everything they have accomplished EFN you know plateau he has now I'm, I'm just proud man they it's well deserved man you know mm-hmm. these guys really put in the work like the, you know your work is always going to speak for yourself you know I'm, I'm just as much a hard worker so yeah. I respect work man and I see and, and you know they're humble as well so you know, I've never had a bad vibe or a bad feeling or anything about anybody on that team. Anytime I've come around and I've dealt with them, you know, it, I was treated like if I was part of Crazy Hood as well. You know, they always treated me like family, and they always let me know I was family. So, you know, I always reciprocated that, man. It's well-deserved from them, man, and I salute everything they got going on right now. And I can imagine how much more will be happening in the years um, this is a question that I ask um, every member of the crew during the interview, and I thought it'd be pretty cool to get your perspective on it. Um, what does what does loyalty mean to you? Loyalty just means being true to something. Mm. You know, no matter what it is, you can be loyal to anything, whether it's your girl, you know, your art, your craft, your personality. You know, I'm a, I'm a loyal individual as well. Who you know, who that's that's part of the, the slogan and model of my crew is love and loyalty. Yeah. So, you know, loyalty withstands the test of time. There's so many things that come with loyalty, man. You know, brotherhood, everything that they had and that they have built right now was built through loyalty. You know, them being loyal to each other and loyal to what they believe and what they wanted to do. So, yeah. Well said. And if you could say anything to Crazy Hood, what would you say? Well, I would just say, yo, Crazy Hood, you know, continued success to you guys. Much love and respect to the whole crew. And, you know, we'll be slipping on something very soon, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> I want to salute EFN Hardman for always extending his hand to me, you know? Yeah. Always involving me in the project he has, you know, happening from everything from main days projects to his own, you know, self-produced albums. 
you know, even down to the whole Drink Champs episode that I'm featured in. I think yeah. I'm the only underground artist who's on the episode of Drink Champs. So, you know, that was really, really big for me, and I appreciate it. I want to give EFM mad love for that because after I did that Drink Champs episode, I got called from every other podcast out there. So, you know, every time I was traveling, I was whatever state doing a podcast just because everybody watched the Drink Champs episode. So, you know, I'm always appreciative of anybody helping to further my career as well. And, and you know, I believe EF, EFN has always helped to assist me as well as many others. You know, so mad love for that. Our next guest is none other than hip-hop legend, Moni Love. What's your earliest memory of DJ EFN? Um, my earliest memory of DJ EFN is <clears throat> in hearing about what was going, not knowing him at all, actually, but mm. just hearing about what was going on in uh, Miami hip-hop and the Miami hip-hop world. Um as it was happening years ago. Mm. So uh, basically I had heard, I had heard of, of him to be what would be the equivalent to what Flex was to New, what Flex is to New York. Right. That's how I heard of EFN as far as what was going on in Miami years ago. Oh, that's and this awesome. is still me not even knowing him. This is not me meeting him. Oh, uh, can you share um, the first time that you did meet him? The first time I actually did meet EFN is because face to face in person is because Ravcast was working on um, an album and Ravcast wanted me to rhyme on a song with him. Mm. And I was living in Miami at the time. And um, Raz was like, uh, I, I didn't have any way to put the vocals down. I wrote for the song. And he, Ravcast wanted me to do a song with him called Sometime. Mm-hmm. And, um, Raz was like, uh, would you have some place to record? And I was like, um, no. <laughs> he was like, I have some place, uh, he was like, I got some place for you to record. I was like, okay. So, <clears throat> he hooked me up with, um, with E, and, um, the, the, he linked us through text message, and there was a text message going back and forth, oh, you know, Moni and she needed a place to record, and EFM was like, of course, no problem, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I got to EFN's studio, meet him, he's cool as a fan, mm-hmm. cool dude, and I go in the booth and I record, and then I come to find out that the microphone that's in the booth is Nori's microphone that he brought with him from New York when he moved from New York to Miami. Wow. Because the microphone itself was just like, yo, this microphone is super crispy. <laughs> like, how does it get that sound? Yeah. <laughs> it's just this mystical, magical microphone. Yeah. You know? Um, so then through that, I come to discover the deep-rooted connection between EFN and Nori and their friendship and everything. And then from that, I get to talking to E even more. And then there's more projects that I'm working on. Like I worked on um, uh, an EP with a girl group that I put together called Heresy that was out in 2016. Uh-huh. We had put this EP out. And um, I did all the vocals, my end of the vocals for that EP, continuing to use EFN Studio with Nori's mic in it. That's awesome. So it became my home. 
So then when E was doing things like when they released um, his the last album projects that he did with all the different dope hip-hop artists on it, mm-hmm. including Raz, and they did like a listening party and stuff, I was just always faithfully at one of these events. Ever since being introduced to E for going to the studio one time to drop a set of vocals for something that Raz is working on, ever since then, I have just, I just became family. And because I was living there, and that was my community, because my community is hip-hop and just real limited hip-hop, and that's what EFN and his entire group of, of, of uh, his entire collective, his entire group of people were. Filmmakers, um, graph writers, artists, you know, um, real hip-hop MCs. It was just my niche. So yeah. once I found it, I never let go of it. And that was my thing. So how does it feel to see um, EFN and Crazy Hood continuously grow throughout the years it's, it's so exciting it's so exciting and inspiring and um it allows you to appreciate the fact that things can grow and blossom and transcend into other things right. because when i was first around ESN, he had um like a radio show through like a, a i can't remember it was like a radio network but it was like a radio app i think it was og radio okay he was like, um, <clears throat> he was like talking about this idea because when you're around Nori and Nori and ESN together, like drink champs, that's something that they used to. It was like a a, a a family slur that they used to use amongst each other because they'll go out, we'll go out as a collectible, as a group of us, fifteen, twenty of us, and they'll be all trying to drink themselves under the table, <laughs> like and. <laughs> And so therefore, so therefore, they'd be like, yeah, the drink champs are in the building, like, because nobody can help drink them. And this, like, it's for real. It's not just something that was made up for a marketing toy. Like, right. I've been hearing them all call each other drink champs, the drink champs are in the building, and so on and so forth, just while we're out at events, parties, or a listening party for the album. Drink champs, you know, so... Yeah. Then when Nori gets around and we're all, we could be sitting down waiting to, waiting to leave a club or waiting to get into a club or whatever, just sitting around at the bar and Nori starts getting into these hip hop stories. And they're hilarious. <laughs> like without him even trying, they're just hilarious. And we're all sitting around there, sipping on something, listening to whatever story he's telling today. And we're all cracking up, you know? <laughs> so when I was getting ready to leave Miami, I remember he saying to me, oh, we're about to do something. Oh, I'm going to bring you in on it. I want, you know, I want you to be the, the girl voice on it or what have you. And because we're going to we're going to do this other radio show and I want you to be involved and blah, 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 blah. And then at the same time, I had just gotten a position back in Pennsylvania. So right as I left to fill that position back in Pennsylvania, right at that moment, right when I left was when EFN and, and, and Nori cemented their opportunity to begin their brand new podcast, Drink Chat, wow. which it was just hilarious and poetic to me that they named it. It's I've never seen something so truer in essence than this. You know, I mean, I mm. have, but this falls amongst the ranks of other things that I have seen developed from its truest essence because nobody sat down and was like, what should we name this podcast? Hmm, what should we do? And come up with a bunch of names and then see which one fits or whatever. No. They totally went into, we should just call it what we already are. 
we're drink heads. We yeah. sit down, we get drunk, we tell crazy, real hip-hop, crazy hood hip-hop stories. That's what we do. So why don't we just call it what it is? You know, so when I'm in Pennsylvania, brand new, um, back on Radio 1 in Pennsylvania, and I'm seeing the podcast take off within the span of a year, it's the number one podcast. I was so happy. And if you ever see me on Instagram, all I do is constantly wear crazy hood gear and drink camps gear before anybody outside of the crew and, and outside of those people that are core interested, before anybody outside of that knew what it was, I'm walking around wearing crazy hood stuff. People are like, oh, crazy hood, what's that? And I'm like, you'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> chance, what's that? I'm like, yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> if you could, if you could say anything to to Crazy Hood and DJ EFN, Drink Champs, what would you say? I would say you guys are so so synonymous with relevance and authenticity in core hip hop. It needs to never stop from all aspects. You guys are doing documentaries that show hip-hop in its truest form, its truest elements around the world. You're allowing America to realize that hip-hop has influenced many, many, many countries around the world. And you you will continue to do that. You are the path, you are the ambassadors of uh, the core of hip-hop in all its elements never stop that and as far as with the podcast and the other growing aspects of the crazy hood tree all of this is synonymous is is, is synonymous to the authenticity of hip-hop culture it's all that's it in a nutshell my next guest is one of the greatest lyricists of all time here's my interview with Raskast. So what's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood or DJ EFN? Uh, I've been EFN, I want to say around, I want to say around like 2002, three-ish. Okay. I, I want to say, I think, I think I'm think i accurate about that. Um, and uh, yeah, they actually uh, 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 brought me out to Miami. Uh, to, to knock out a song with Recognize of Mayday. Oh, nice. So, so uh, yeah, me and Recky, uh, uh, they took me out the first night. Like, they just really, you know, really cool dudes. Like, just really showed me a good time. You know, uh, hung in Miami, went to, you know, dope spot. It was all fucking getting drinking. So, we, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, as EFN calls me, I was an honorary drink champ before I ever got on that show. Classic. <laughs> Yeah, and I love people that could drink like me. Uh, so mm-hmm. we would, you know, we all just got wasted and had a, a blast. Fucking, you know, recognized it was was clean cut, looked like Obama back then. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like he looked like Trevor Noah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, man, you know, and I just really had a like uh, that we uh, EFN is an OG, so we have mutual homies. Mm. But I had never really got a chance to really, really chop it up and chill with him. Um, but that you know, that's when crazy that came in. I, I think I remember going back a few more times, uh, years later, in fact, uh, and wanting to record in the studio. And so I'd uh, you know, I you know, reached out, you know, uh to, to, to wreck mm-hmm. and 
<laughs> I think the, I think the studio was in like a, like a porn company or some shit. <laughs> All right. On my beach. So that was interesting. Um, but I remember one time I asked uh, to do something. I was like, yo, why don't you come up with a hook or whatever? And he ended up hitting some notes. I was like, motherfucker, you can sing too, too. Like, but then, you know, as people reveal themselves, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he had shown other MCs he could actually hold a note, you know, whatever. Oh. And I just remember like being impressed and, you know, whatever. And, and just from there, uh, you know, uh, I remember he had been telling me about, um, you know, about, you know, Mayday and the mm-hmm. growth of that. And, you know, I'd, uh, I'd already knew a lot of, 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 crazy hood uh-huh. just from being going out drinking but not really realizing you know like uh, that they really had an organized squad and a plan so it's really dope to see them execute all their ideas man what do you feel uh crazy hood uh represents to hip-hop uh definitely um for one thing and i know everybody is from various backgrounds but you know mm-hmm. just in general a lot of times people have a one-dimensional view of what Miami is and they've always taken me to some dope hip hop shit um it just reminded me hip hop is alive and well I think you know Crazy Hood is, is a you know a, a big part of that and all the other people I've met through them you know um Da Vinci and uh Mnemonics whoever just I met a lot of people through them that you know that were keeping the culture going um I think that in and of itself is always you know a plus when I think of Miami, you know, hip hop and a squad. Um, that's I definitely think of Crazy Hood first, um, and and then just aside from that, obviously, what you know, some of the, the vision that he had, he and Nori had together. Mm-hmm. I think it was really dope. Um, I believe I believe Nori didn't want to do the reggae tone song, and mm-hmm. and he I think kind of talked him into it, and then the record fucking blew up. You know what I mean, on yeah. the EDM record or whatever it was, so. Just him having that vision as a DJ to kind of tell artists, you know, what's in their best interest. So, you know, I've kind of I've seen that growth with him. Since you first met each other and to now, how have you seen your relationship uh, grow together in hip hop? Um, I think it was more, you know, rapper, rapper meeting, you know, a promoter slash DJ guy. You know, mm-hmm. that's normally what it is. It was a business until, you know, you develop your own personal relationships. I consider him a brother. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. That's dope. Like, we, we got past that shit, like, early on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have, uh, like, any favorite memories that you'd like to share? Really, about my, my, my one funny one offhand right now is when we go to, this was a hip-hop club, but this night wasn't quite hip-hop. So we go to this party, um... Shout out, um, I'm standing here with my homeboy Bishop LeBond from CRs, and we're at the Regent Theater doing a charity event right now, so you can throw this in the interview, too, if you want to. There you um, go, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, all the charity goes to homelessness, so it's a great thing. That's what's up. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, we all went out. I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if Recky went out this night, but whatever, it's a gang of us, we go out, parties popping, as every Puerto Rican and Cubana party's lit yeah. and all of a sudden the generator blows and the whole club dies what it's just, it's just dark as fuck and all, it's all these hot chicks and then immediately because it's miami and it's like 400 people in a club everybody starts sweating like pigs it was just hilarious i just remember being totally drunk 
and we were kind of waiting for the for the for the energy to come back on, and it never did. So, like, we were just people were like drinking and talking and trying to holler in, in this empty hot box. It was just a very interesting night. <laughs> My next guest is the extremely talented producer engineer who's worked with Nori, Fat Joe, Meek Mill, Jay Baldwin, and Miguel, just to name a few. The Drink Champs engineer. Here's my interview with the homie Hazardous Sounds. What's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? My earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Uh, wow, well, it goes pretty way back because, um, you know, I've been a hip-hop head since very young. Um, and when I was in, I moved to Miami in 1988. Probably came across my first DJ EFN mixtape, I would say like in 95, 96. There was this little hip-hop shop I used to go to up off Hollywood Boulevard called Iguanas. It was like, they used to have like all the latest mixtapes and, you know, albums that would come out from like, you know, because we were down here, so we were like waiting for whatever would get released up north to make it down here. Mm-hmm. And they would always have it. So um, they used to have like, you know, Tony Touch, you know, uh, Doo-Wop, all the, the mixtapes from New York. And I came across uh, an EFN mixtape there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm not sure who was through, if it was through the hip hop connection or whatever, but um, that's how I got my hands on the, on the first one, and um, yeah, that would be my first experience. Dope. Uh, do you remember the first time you uh, connected with them? First time I connected with Create uh, Crazy was um, okay. Yeah, I connected with Garcia. He was the first one I met. Uh, it was through my boy DJ Tunin. Uh, this is when I first started. Like, you know, just trying to get on the scene by um, going to all these hip-hop shows. Uh, I would say early 2004, 2000, yeah, 2004. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, trying to get my beats out. You go into these hip-hop shows, just giving my beat CDs out to all, you know, all the local rappers. Right. And um, I, I came across this, my, this dude, DJ Tunin, who was, uh, you know, real big in the, in the in the local scene, you know, putting out mixtapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had let him hear this joint that I had produced for a Be Real, which was, uh, you know, from Cypress Hill. Mm-hmm. That was like my first real, you know, major artist that I ever worked with. Nice. Uh, and, um, you know, I was like, yeah, I want to put a Miami MC on it. And uh, at the time, this was like I said, between like between 2003 and 2005, Garcia was like, the man out here he was like he had a big buzz you know mm-hmm. um, so he was like yo you what's up with garcia and i was like yeah i'm down you, you, you know you know how to reach out to him he's like yeah that's my man so he called him over he came through we had a session and uh and we he laid the, the verse down and you know the rest was history after that we started working being that you've been around the crew for so long what have you learned that you apply when working with other artists well, one of the main things I learned from Crazy Hood is just, um, like, main thing I learned is loyalty. I, you know, I, I just watched these guys, how they all came up together. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, loyalty is something that people, you know, they use the term loosely these days. But it, it's something that I, I, I pride myself with and uh, I take it's very important to me, you know. Like, right. uh, we've been loyal to each other from day one, so I, I'm always going to be loyal to Crazy Hood, you know what I mean? Um, they, they always held me down and I'm always going to hold them down. Uh, so loyalty is one thing. Another thing is, uh, the work, the work ethic, uh, being patient, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes people think that, you know, they want things to happen overnight, mm-hmm. but you gotta put, you gotta put that work in first. And, uh, 
And I, I learned that, you know, working with Crazy Hood, how we would just do everything in kind of like um, order, you know, it wouldn't be just like, oh, yeah, I want I got this dope beat. Let me let's put this drawing out tomorrow. Now nah, we would have to wait kind of in line, you know, if, if Garcia's next up or Heckler, you know, it would be like you have to learn how to just kind of play your part. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's always some type of order involved, you know. Right. And I, think, and I think that goes pretty far in anything you do in life, you know. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So what does Crazy Hood mean to Miami, and what do they represent to hip-hop? I mean, Crazy Hood to Miami is like a hip-hop staple, you know. Um, whenever you come to Miami and you want you want to you know, know who's popping in the hip-hop scene, who's got their real hip-hop, you just want to have a hip-hop conversation, you always know that you go to Crazy Hood. Crazy Hood is like the hip-hop at its purest form out of Miami, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that I was always drawn to because I was I was I kind of like kind of shared the same beliefs. That's why when I met EFL, we kind of kicked it off because we kind of had a lot of hip hop knowledge, and you know he's one of the the OGs from Miami when it comes to hip hop. So he's actually a pioneer, you know. So um, to me, it's always like a it's almost like a hip hop safe haven when I think of Crazy Hood. It's that Miami hip hop staple, you know. So when you think of hip hop in general, um, you know you got New York, you got the West Coast, and then when you think Miami. You gotta, you gotta bring up uh, when it comes to hip hop. You gotta bring up Crazy Hood. That's that's a must. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, they've contributed a lot from artists to you know to that um, Miami hip hop sound to um, you know just contributing to the culture itself by doing all the parties, by uh, putting out mixtapes. Um, you know, just in any every way, videos, movies. Um, so one thing that they contributed to hip hop is just that Miami hip-hop feel you know what i mean right. the essence do you have any uh do you have a story that you want to share let me see man so you know there's so many stories man some, <laughs> some i can't tell yeah some of it foreign secrecy i mean it's not really like you know it's just i think it's a moment you know um yeah we, re- we recently were all hanging out at the uh for the, the 25th anniversary of crazy hood uh, we went to winwood while they were you know uh, the day people were doing a mural for us okay and, um, you know, we were all kind of just hanging out, you know, having a moment. Um, and, I mean, also another great moment was when we were in Colombia, too. That, that was unforgettable, you know, like just being together and sharing the moment in another country is also dope, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's like there's so many stories, you know, nothing really specific. But like those to me are like some moments that are recent that I can remember that were dope, you know. Our next guest needs no introduction. Here's my interview with David Banner. What's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Um, well, me and DJ EFN, we have known each other for for a while now. Mm-hmm. I think for over 10 years now. But I didn't really know about Crazy Hood until I did the first feature mm-hmm. on uh, Mayday. But okay. what's crazy was I hadn't talked to EFN in like five years when he called me. But mm. like that's just how just that's just how we do, you know what I mean? Right. He was like, Then I got this rock group that, you know, I'm you know, I am interested in and um you know, I think he was you know, I, I don't know if people really ever noticed, but like uh, my music has always been real guitar driven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and um, I I think you could tell that in my music that, you know, I'm a real big, especially indie rock fan. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, for me, when he called, and then he called me at just the right time, too. I was, I don't know, I was just in a good place. And he was like, bro, I want you to jump on a record. I'm going to send you a bunch of records. And he sent me a record, and then I got down with it. Then, you know, I started seeing the promotion for the album. You know, and Crazy Hood, Crazy Hood, Crazy Hood. I didn't really know what it meant at first, you know what I'm saying? Right. Then, then, um, I think it was, I think he wanted to get me on another Mayday album, another Mayday song with somebody else, but it just didn't work out. I don't think it worked out. Mm -hmm. And then his solo album came out. And then I think that's when I really started understanding the movement a whole lot more. And then it even got 10 times more real when I came down to Miami and, um, you know, we, we, we got an opportunity to do the show with Nori mm. and, um, before, you know, before the TV, you know, and the fame and all that. And, uh, like, like they were just so deep. Like it was real cool to see that many men, you know, at the ages that we are at now, mm-hmm. that's still that tight. You know, you may got two, three homeboys. But it's just ain't no whole bunch of grown men still holding allegiance to themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And um, that was something that was very commendable. What does crazy hood mean to hip hop? Well, I, I, I think again, bro. Um, as much as people would like to, um, I think people would like to concentrate on the crazy and the hood. Mm-hmm. For me, bro, it's, it's still a certain level of respect. Yeah. For you. And I don't even mean like no gangster respect. That that shit like like all you gotta do is have muscle and guns and some dope for that shit. Like true respect is how you treat each other. Mm-hmm. You know, EFN has been one of the few people to keep their word to me, you know, yeah. in the industry and you know, when I came down, bro, it was just so much love and so much admiration and like you just said it it made me feel like I was extended family. It made me feel like I didn't have to be the toughest dude in the room that I'm good. Right. You know what I'm saying? When when we went down to the Revolt Music Conference, it was the same thing. Banner, are you good? Banner, are you good? Because, you know, usually I roll light. You know, I, I, I roll, and I don't even want to brag on this shit, but, like, the dudes that I roll with are real thorough. Right. And I don't mean, I don't mean street thorough. I mean military trained thorough. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I've never been comfortable with rolling with a whole bunch of dudes, but sometimes it feels good to know that you got that, that kind of backing, you know, mm-hmm. when, when everybody rolled in, you know, when him and Nori rolled in and then the rest of the crew rolled in, everybody made sure that I was good. And that's, that's, that's gentleman respect, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's what they really mean to me. Cause what's crazy, let me tell you what's crazy. I, I don't remember actually even meeting Mayday. I don't think I ever met them. Like, I did that strictly. You know, I love the music, but I did that strictly on the love that me and EFN had for each other. Wow. You know, and that mutual respect that, hey, bro, you always got me and I always got you. We good. This is a question I asked all my guests that I had on Family Ties, and I, I would love to get your answer. What does loyalty mean to you? Um, holding steadfast to the truth. 
because a lot of times people have blind loyalty. Right. My loyalty stops when you wrong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like a lot of people are loyal to a default. Mm-hmm. Like bro, like we 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 men. So I I I I'm I am a godly man. So my loyalty stands in truth. You know, as as even when you're wrong, if you stand in truth, I'm with you. Like, like, bro, if if, if we walk into a situation and you tell me that it's wrong, mm-hmm. and I can make a decision that you were honorable enough to let me know what I was going in, then I can make a decision on that shit. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes yeah. we just wrong, but in that moment, the, the the wrong was chosen in truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So like like to me that's what loyalty is is holding steadfast holding steadfast to something that's godly, and I, I think through time we've taken that and twisted it into some sickness shit. You know what I'm saying? We you know through history we've learned a way to make selling our people dope something cool, pimping our women something cool. That's something that I'm now embarrassed of, and and we we have a tendency of. of erasing the true godly nature of, of, of alpha males mm. and the fact that, that the hard part is saying no. The hard part is not falling into temptation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The hard part is, 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 is going the long route, the, the route that other people don't go and, and not following the sheep. Um, I saw a saying, bro, I, I wish I, I knew who this quote came from, but there was this quote that said, a lion can lead a pack of sheep to victory, right? Mm-hmm. But one sheep could lead a pack of lions to victory. You know, so in saying that, man, being steadfast and, and being willing not only to die for something that you believe in that lies in truth, but living constantly every day by something that means something. Mm. That's real. I don't mean to be so deep, brother. My fault. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like my, like, man, like no, no. Man. Me just thinking about it and having that reaction, like whoa, like that, like I feel it, man. Thank you, thank you so much for showing, showing you, man, for expressing you. That's what it's all about, you know. Man, but th- th- to be honest with you, bro, like what's crazy? The, the real relationships that you see, bro. And what's crazy, my my relationship with no my relationship with EFN goes back ten years, wow. but my relationship with Noriega goes back for over twenty. Wow! So like, to, I don't I don't know how their kinsmanship started, but for them to be friends and both of them to mean so much to me is is is, is an awesome you know you know and for them to become friends and business partners without me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because people don't remember, I was signed to a group called Crooked Letters that was on Penalty. And Penalty was the label when Noriega, you know, had the world in his hand. Yeah. And Noriega was kind to me when he was the number one rapper at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was from Mississippi. And, and he showed, he was the first New York rapper. People won't give him credit for this. But, but Nori was the first New York rapper that I knew that really loved Southern music for real that didn't wait until it became popping. Like, he had always really liked Southern music early, early, early. So, like, you know, for me and both of them, that's, like, that's why I so, you know, when, when he hit me, it was like, bro, would you do this interview? Yep, sure will. I'm on it. 
Right. That's the loyalty that we were talking about. Yeah. You, know, it, you, you don't have to explain to me. Let's go. How does it feel to see Crazy Hood continuously grow throughout the years? I know you briefly touched on it. Um, it's not surprising. That's what I expect. You know, it don't, it don't, it, it don't feel good or bad because that's like me saying, "How do I feel about the sun coming up in the morning?" I expect the sun to come up in the morning. I would be more shocked if they wouldn't, if they didn't continue. Mm-hmm. See, when it's about a brotherhood, it's not, it's not about success. The outward success is a residual um, occurrence. You know, wh- whether whether they're making a million dollars or they got to take that shit back to the hood. Literally, they should keep going, not because of the business, but because of the brotherhood that we had. Right. Even if it's just us getting together, smoking weed, or, or going to church together, or, you know, our kids playing football, or, you know, the wives getting together, whatever, whatever it may end up being. Crazy hood shouldn't stop, you know, because the business fluctuates. You can't control how business you know, works. You can you you can tilt it in your favor, right. but at the end of the day, certain things got to happen, and sometimes the chips don't fall the way that you want to. And that's when you ask me about loyalty. That's where that comes in. You feel me? Yeah. So I'm not surprised. I would be more disappointed if they were anything but themselves. So if you could say anything to Crazy Hood, what would you say? Um, thank you for allowing me to be me, because. I'm one of the few artists that that made an outward change in front of the world. You know what I'm saying? Most yeah. people disappear and change. I changed in front of the world, and that wasn't easy. You know, when I stopped smoking dope and constantly talking about violence and all that kind of stuff, like, a lot of people turn their backs on me. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, EFN, the verse I did on EFN... I actually think one of the, the verse I did on EFN shit was one of the most revolutionary dope verses that came out in a very long time. But because I'm David Banner and I'm from Mississippi, people gonna keep sleeping like I ain't rapping like a motherfucker. Mm. Like I really believe I'm becoming one of the best rappers, bro. Like not just now, but ever. But it just takes time. I have to practice. Yeah. You know, like beats come to me naturally. That's what's naturally like the rap shit. I gotta work on it. I got to read. I got to practice on my cadences. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like EFN got one of the hardest, that warrior verse. Yeah. Like, and what I realized as, as, as an intellectual, sometimes it's not that we can't rap. Sometimes you be so far over motherfuckers' heads. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That they think you're not rapping because they don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You feel me? Yeah. So like, you know, for me, I just like to thank them for, for loving and respecting me the same way. You know, whether I'm drinking or smoking or acting a fool or whether I'm fasting and meditate. You know, the respect for me and the respect for Mississippi and where I'm from and what I believe in. You know, it, it, a lot of stuff I've been through, like I'm man enough now to admit, man, a lot of people hurt me. Because yeah. I'm the type of dude, if I fuck with you, I realize I fuck with you. Like, I bust a slug for you. I, I feed you. You come to my house. You can be around my mother. You feel me? Yep. And like that's why, like I don't, I, I don't, I don't extend my my my, my friendship much because I hurt you if you hurt my feelings. Yeah. 
And like I'm, I'm not the toughest dude in the world, but I don't play that shit, bro. When it comes to my emotions, you know what I'm saying. 100. And if I care something about you, then I'm emotional about you. So, you know, for 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 me to find an extended family, you know that that understands the dualities of who David Banner is. And it's let me tell you how scary it is. When when I accepted the name David Banner because it was given to me, I thought it was a corny at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I never used no Hulk references and no shit like that. But but like it's crazy how my life turned into being just like David Banner, one of the smartest rappers. But everybody think you're a fucking bum. I'm all over the world, you know. Yeah. One of the top gamma ray uh, scientists in the world. Like that's about how I am in real life. And for me, I actually went backwards to change from the Hulk to David Banner. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't easy to me. And Crazy Hood is one of the one of the clicks and one of the hoods that you know that that allowed me to just be me and not make me feel awkward when I decide I don't want to do the stuff I used to do. So, do you have um, any last words? Um, no, man. Just just live long. Bro, and, and and love each other, man. Like we want these kids to act better, but most of us grown ups can't get along. Yeah. You know, it's 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 sad to to feel like, you know, it gotta be Cardi B or Nicki Minaj. Why can't it be both and Rhapsody? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why why can't it be ten girls rapping? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Why, why, why can't it only be one real hot rapper? Why can't it just be like it was back in the day? I mean, I remember when I first started, it was 30, 40 motherfuckers that was popping at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got a good point. Yeah. You know, why, why, why can't we... Why, why, why has white supremacy uh, convinced us that it has to be competition? i give you an example. Something that EFN knows that most people don't know. I used to be a battle rapper. I'm talking about a top tier battle rapper, but I figured something. It's no different than fighting the books, what they used to do in slavery. Pit two black men against each other and let them rip each other apart for our entertainment. Right. And what's crazy is, with the exception of maybe Eminem and a few more people, you never seen like commercially successful battle rappers for the most part. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like we, we, we do it just to tear somebody down. And then when you walk away from it, you really don't gain nothing but tearing somebody else down. It's the same way I feel with rap. Why can't we all make money? I want to see other people make money. I'm happy for J. Cole, bro. I'm happy for yeah. Drake. I'm happy for Uncle Snoop for having, you know what I'm saying, the number one gospel album. Like yeah. I'm, I'm happy. That, that, that has nothing to do with the God Box. That has nothing to do with me. Whether my life goes up or down, I'm happy for other people. But it's like we we, 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 we have a vested interest into doing what America tells us to do. That's the one thing I think happened to not only, you know, rap culture, but general urban culture. We all about the bag now. It ain't about morals. It ain't about ethics. It ain't about you know, what you really believe in mentally, physically, spiritually, or sexually. Mm. It's whatever's popping right now. Well, you know, we, we, it's all about the bag. And we just got to get back to to being grown-ups that act like we grow. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's what I would wish for you guys to grow, um, grow with a certain level 
of distinction, a certain level of pride, you know what I'm saying? A certain level of strength. Yeah. And then Crazy Hood could grow into anything, bro, whatever it chooses to, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And as long as I agree with it spiritually, mentally, or, you know, from, from a spirit perspective, bro, shit, we rolling. Our next guest is a brother to our Crazy Hood family. Together, we've been supporting each other for over 20 years. One half of Capone and Noriega. Here's my interview with Capone. What's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Shit, mom. My earliest memory of Crazy Hood is like right when I came home from jail. This is like '99. Uh We went to to Miami. I think it was an Impact convention, and um, Nori kept telling me about EFN and his his whole movement, the whole Crazy Hood movement. So I'm like, yeah, I want to meet him. You know what I'm saying? Uh So. We was, we went down there like maybe three tall buses. We, we, we was at least a hundred deep. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. And um, we we got up with EFN. EFN was like, "Damn, y'all motherfuckers is deep." Because we all had on Capone home shirts yeah. and all that. And then that was the that was the day I met EFN. And um, we we got cool since then. You know what I'm saying? He was a DJ then, and and he was telling me how he broke out records in Miami. And, 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 you know, he had his whole team. So I was, I was just feeling the whole movement. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the next day, you know, here we are 25 years later, still rocking strong. For sure. You know, you having that close relationship with Nori and, and building that relationship with E and Crazy Hood. How important is it to have brotherhood, man, and to share that common interest of hip hop? Oh, man, it's this real important, man. You know what I'm saying? Especially having brotherhood with people that you didn't necessarily grow up with. You know what I'm saying? You didn't necessarily come up with uh-huh. and y'all have that brotherly bond that lasts for, for decades. You know what I'm saying? And then to me, that's the most important thing when, when you can make friends and brothers with people that, that not necessarily come from your same hood, not necessarily come from your background. Right. But we had the same common thing. We love music. And I seen it with E. He was he knew everything about music. You know what I'm saying? And when I came when I first met him, he was kicking my verses. Like I was like, yo, this dude loves music. You know what I'm saying? His whole crew they love music. So I'm like, you know, like right now, at the end of the day with what EFN and Nori is doing with, with the drink chance, I don't think Nori could have did it without E because he's not that musically inclined to right. know the history. Like he knows it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What does Crazy Hood mean to Miami? Shit, Crazy Hood is to Miami is is like that's the backbone, you know what I'm saying? Like people, when 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 I first um, started going to Miami, you know what I'm saying? I, I, this was way you know before Ross time. Uh-huh. This is like the Uncle Luke time. This was the the Khaled on the radio time, and um, it was like that was that was for for the the people who knew, only knew the mainstream Miami. But when you came to the hood Miami, when they came to the gritty Miami, oh, Crazy Hood was the best. They, they ran Miami, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I see that because every time that we needed a record worked or we needed anything done, we went to Crazy Hood to get it done. They got a lot of checks from our labels. <laughs> <laughs> like Crazy Hood is, is to what? Like, uh, like, let me see. They like... Crazy Hood was like the de- Crazy Hood was like the Def Jam 2000 street team. Like how they was everywhere. That's how crazy Crazy Hood was. Like yeah. they was everywhere. Everywhere you looked, you see Crazy Hood stickers. You see Crazy Hood posters. I was like, oh man, they moving. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. He's a genius. He's a genius, man. <laughs> How does it feel to see Crazy Hood continuously grow throughout the years? Oh man, it's, it's man. That, that means a lot to me because I feel like I was part of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We all grew together. You know what I'm saying? We was young. We was all coming up in the game, and um, we sustained success. And now just to see E with the Drake champs, see see uh Boris with the beats. You know, see everybody moving. Everybody got their own lane, and, and, and everybody's growing. Everybody's successful at what they're doing as far as um with music. And it feels good to me because, I, like I said, I've known uh, Crazy Hood since 99, which was only like maybe a year or so after Nori, you know what I mean? Right. So right. I basically was there from the beginning, too. Yeah. But it's like 20, 20 years later right now, and I know there was there was Crazy Hood before I met them, but yeah. I'm, I'm speaking from my experience yeah. with Crazy Hood 20 years later. It's like, damn, we, we, we just had our 20th year anniversary. Yeah. So, it's like, damn, and we still fucking around. We knew these guys 20 years. Yeah. We've been getting money together for 20 years, man. This is real. That's crazy. Uh, this is a question that I asked um, some of the members uh, of Crazy Hood uh, throughout the season. And I feel like you'd be a, a, a good person to ask this question. Okay. What, what does loyalty mean to you? Shit, loyalty is everything, man. Like, you know, it's, 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 no, it's no real loyalty in the game no more. So anytime you get brothers that's, that's loyal to one another, that's, that's real stand-up dudes, you know, you, you tend to stick with them. And that's, 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 that's what I did. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he, everybody at Crazy Hood, you know, I see he, he's with the same dudes that, that I've seen for 20 years. You know what I'm saying? For yeah. for that whole duration of time, I see the same dudes around them. So I see the loyalty that they, they have with one another. And that means a lot. The same thing like me and Nori. You know what I'm saying? We don't yeah. stray away from our same uh, type of dudes that we came up with. Mostly everybody that's around us is our, our childhood friends right. or friends like Crazy Hood that we met along the way. And we we, we, we uh, made that bond. And that's the stay loyal. We stay loyal. We stay down. They stay down. We stay down. So if you could say anything to Crazy Hood, what would you say? I would say, y'all motherfuckers is crazy. (laughs) 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 I would say say congratulations to my brothers on their 25th anniversary, man. You know what I'm saying? I got a big bottle of Bacardi for E, you know what I'm saying? Because I know he only drinks Bacardi. Then I'm going to have a big bottle of Bacardi when I come down to Miami. We're going to get twisted. Crazy help my family forever, man. You know what I'm saying? And anytime they, they call on me, I'm there. Anytime I call on them, they there. You know what I'm saying? Boris, my guy. Everybody from Crazy Hell is my guys, man. Eddie, every, everybody's my peoples, man. I love them all. Our final guest has been around Crazy Hood since the beginning. Producing and engineering for the hoods, he's seen them grow as artists and individuals. He played an influential role in the early days of Crazy Hood and continues to create, produce, and engineer. Here's my interview with Nick Fury HD. What's your earliest memory of Crazy Hood? Uh, earliest memory, I would have to say, was in um, Adiak's bedroom. And basically, Adiak was, um, he's a member of the group at the time called Moonby Dialect, which was him... Alfonso and Dizzy and I remember going to meet Adiak at his house or his parents' house and he introduced me to to E 
and and Paul, and that was basically. Um, I can't remember. I know it was like in the '92. It was either '92 or, or early '93. But basically, he was talking about his company that he had started, and he was just kind of like trying to get some insight into like what I think Alfonso was doing um, street promotion at the time. Mm-hmm. So he was really interested in that, and um, that was how I first met them. And you know, they basically I told him, yeah, I produce and I engineer, mm-hmm. and um, and from there we kind of like started to build a relationship. That's you know, cool. yeah. But that was my first was my first recollection. How was it working with them from the very beginning? Man, um, all right. So when when he was doing the mixtapes. Um, essentially, he wanted to kind of like step the game up because, you know, of course, as a mixtape DJ, you want everybody to really tune into what you're doing and you got to have something that makes people interested in what you have. So he wanted to start setting off the mixtapes with like an intro and the intro would feature like the artist that he has, you know, part of the crew. Yeah. So... Um, basically what would happen though is that I would come in as the person that would record a lot of those sessions and, uh, record the, the freestyles from the, from the guys and then mix the record and then I would give it back to E and then he would add it now to the beginning of the, of the mixtape. Uh-huh. So that was kind of like the, my role at the beginning and then, um, essentially, we started to get real theatrical with the intro. So, you know, he will be asking me, yo, you got this kind of sound or you got this kind of like effect. And so then I was starting to do like sound effects and creating these elaborate like introductions to, to kind of go with the, the theme of where they were going with the intro. So we used to do all kinds of crazy stuff at the studio, like, you know, record the doors opening and, try to find sound effects and if we couldn't find them we would just create create our own yeah. so it was pretty it's pretty interesting stuff and i mean as an engineer at miami Dade, i was learning all these different techniques and tricks so it was really cool to actually apply a lot of them and even stuff that i didn't know how to do just to figure out ways to do it it was really cool to have that kind of platform that would allow me to do that you know yeah. so um, those were good years, man. Those were really interesting, funny, funny times. We used to come up with some crazy stuff, a lot of hours in the studio, um, and just learning curves for everybody, you know, including myself. Yeah. But um, with regards to the production, because I, I used to go to school at Miami Dade College, and essentially... Once I um, once I got into the program and found out that you know, besides the sound engineering program, they had this MIDI program, which basically is um, musical instrument digital interface, mm-hmm. which allows you to have um, machines talk to each other musically. So they need to start sequencing and creating music um, with the keyboards, and then have different modules talk to the keyboards, and you can have it all controlled by a computer. That's where I started really getting my love for production. And um, from there, like, once I talked to my uh, instructor at the time, Harold Harms, and I was asking him, how can, is it possible for a sound engineer to be a producer as well? 
and uh, he gave me that funny look like there's like probably a couple of producers engineers out there but um it's definitely something i've never heard of but if you could yeah i'm pretty sure you could do it i was like that's all i need to know <laughs> and then from then yeah, i was basically making beats producing and still engineering you know and that's that's what i've been doing up until this day man that's awesome but um yeah so the midi lab was where all the all the magic was made and um drain being one of the students that used to come through to the lab you know, he basically got to firsthand see what was going on and how we used to, like, make beats and mess around with all the equipment in the MIDI lab. And, you know, he was with his crew, I think, at the time, Poetic Symbols. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he also knew me. So it was like, I mean, the connections are crazy, man. Like, what I was saying, because Heckler, he had his own crew. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew Heckler too. We've done some stuff before, and he knew E. And then Garcia, I remember when he was severe. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. then when all of these guys actually started to like make the alliance with with E, it was like, wow. You know? It's like they're forming up like Voltron. Right. You know? So it was pretty dope, man. You know? And the fact, the fact that I actually was involved with all of them kind of like before they found where they should have been, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was cool. That's kind of like the the main, I guess, the, the main recollections I have when we first started and then working with them on these intros for the mixtapes. And I mean, yeah, we used to do, it used to be always a always an experience, man. It was always funny. It was always um, basically coaching them through these records and making sure that they spit in whatever they, they wrote right. And yeah. and he had a lot a lot to play in that as well, man, because he was a stickler for making sure that they got their lines right and that they spit that shit properly, you know, because, yeah. you know, Tom is still money. And even though we was getting over, um, I would say, with the, with the studio, you know, still, I had to make a little something. Yeah. So... He did not want to make, waste any time, so they had to come in there and have their lyrics ready, you know, have their stuff memorized, and and make sure that their performances and the way that they they delivered was on point, you know, because then it would be a real shame to to finish a session and somebody missed out on on dropping his lines properly, you know. Right. So that was that was real key, and you know, back then studios were were real far between and mm-hmm. and God forbid that you, you invited somebody else on the track that didn't that you know wasn't a wasn't like a a regular or di- or didn't understand what we were trying to do. You know, sometimes people would just lose their shot at, at being on a mixtape intro because they weren't on point with their stuff, you know? Right. right. And that was the reality of it. That was a lot of fun, man. I, I got I got to really get a lot of experience just um, mixing, recording, mm-hmm. you know, the whole process, you know? Yeah. Even just the whole sounding, sound and post and all that stuff, you know, it was fun. Yeah, no, and, and to um, go off of that, you actually produced a lot of their records as well. We made a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of records, man, that um, I had a lot of involvement in and, you know, like ideas because I think at the time, you know, I was really starting to, like, 
get my weight up with the production. Uh-huh. And um, when when Dre really started to get interested in production, and he would come into the MIDI lab and and working as a an assistant there, it's like um, I got the fortune to to be presented with a MPC by a guy who wanted me to learn how to use it to teach him. You know, go figure. Mm. So anyhow, right. so he lands me the MPC sixty two and I I I basically like learn how to use that puppy and start to like bang out and essentially start selling beats uh. enough that I could make my own money and buy my own three thousand. Yeah. You know, so when Drain saw that, that's when he basically was like, Shoot, I gotta get me an MPC two and um and essentially, he got him the three thousand, but um, he got like the base model. When I bought mine, I bought like the all the bells and whistles, you know, because I I really knew what I needed from it. Right. And, but he got a base model, so he had problems like transferring like um, data. So I used to have to help him um, transfer the the songs and everything like that, which is not a problem. But but yeah, I would I would definitely take up the slack where. Where Drain couldn't like produce a record, or he was in a funk, or he just didn't want to do it, then yeah, I would I would get production duties assigned, you know. Right. And um, he, he would hit me up like, "Yo, can you work on this record with this person?" You know, saying, and, and I mean, yeah, I I did a lot of joints like that, and um, the off of the old project, yeah, I did one of the last records on that project, but. Um, I was I was a specialist, you know what I'm saying? They knew yeah. they knew that I was all about making bangers. So um, when a cat wanted a track that's gonna really make people pay attention to what he's doing, that's when they would like come to me, and um, and I would help them out with those things. So what does Crazy Hood mean to Miami? Man, Crazy Hood is like is the foundation. You know, that's how I look at it because they were one of the first organized groups to really, like, do things in the hip-hop game in Miami, you know, independently. And there wasn't a lot of people or crews out there that were doing it like them. I think it has a lot to do with E and his um, organization and the way he kind of, like, masterminded everything so i would say that um they're pioneers in that regard you know and i mean so doing hip-hop because remember we coming from a town which was which was basically all about miami bass it was about just you know booty shaking you know and and southern style music so for this crew out of kendall to basically do what they did it really it really like made people pay attention, you know, and yo, know, a lot of people was hating too. Because yeah. you know, people were trying to do what they're doing but they're not seeing the same results because yeah. they don't have a crew of people that really were on the same page, you know. And um that's a, there's a lot to be said for that and the fact that they're still rocking after all these years, you know what I'm saying? That's that's like um that's a blessing right there, man. Right. You know? So how does it feel to see Crazy Hood continuously grow throughout the years? Oh, it feels awesome. I mean, 
I'll tell you this, man. Like, me and E used to have a running joke. I, I won't even call it a joke. We used to have a conversation where E would tell me, like, you know what I'm saying? Yo, Nick, man, if I see you, if I see you say that you closing the door on this stuff, man, I don't know if I'm going to want to continue. And I would be like, yeah, I see. I feel the same way because we, we, we've seen so much happen and we've seen the way the industry has changed and twisted and turned and go all the different places. Like, it can be very frustrating, you know what I'm saying, to yeah. to want to be in this game, you know? So yeah. uh, I think we kind of, like, played off of the fact that we really love what we do and that, you know, if someone, you know, like him was to say, man, I think I'm going to hang up my hat, you know, that would make me wonder, like, shit, should I really keep doing this too? You know what I'm saying? But right. um, I think really and truly he's, he's an inspiration to a lot of us. And I think it tells, it tells me that there's always a place for what we do out there. And the fact that these guys are successful, what they're doing, you know, everything happens to, to everything happens for a reason. And you just got to basically stay consistent, consistent, focused, and be smart about what you're doing because your shot is still out there too. Yeah. You know? So um, I'm, I'm, loving, I'm loving what I'm seeing right now. You know, and it doesn't surprise me, to be honest, because uh, he's always been one of those touch guys that he has a different plan for different things, you know what I'm saying? And he, gets, he educates himself on a lot of situations. And um, so these things that are happening, you know, they didn't just happen overnight. You know, this is because of years of, of practice and education and preparation. You know, a couple of preparation prevents piss poor performance, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, he's just basically executing things that, you know, in the right opportunity presents itself. All you got to do is pull the trigger and make it happen. If you could say anything to Crazy Hood... What would you say? Um, keep, keep doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? I mean, essentially, um, 25 years is just the beginning, man. We we still, I mean, hip hop is over 30 years old now. Yeah. So, you know, the world's an oyster, and for hip hop, the fact that we've been doing it for so long, and we've seen the different changes and we can evolve and still overcome and make things happen. All they got to do is keep going and be, be that torch for others to see that, you know, if you organize yourself correctly and you form the right team, you know, anything's possible. There's a lot of crews and a lot of organizations that are, are forming now here in Miami in the last five, six, seven years that, there's a lot that they can learn just from watching the growth of CHP. And I believe that, you know, we can only pass on the information because we want to continue. We want to continue building Miami as a city, as an industry, you know, hip hop. And um, so for CHP to continue doing what they're doing, they're only going to be that like bright light that people can follow. And, and build from, you know, and study. The team is the team, man. Like, everybody had a part to play in getting where they're going as well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah, of course, he's the leader. 
you know, he, he has to delegate and do what he has to do as, as the leader. But, you know, with without the guys that he has around him, you know, um, a lot of a lot of this wouldn't be possible either, you know. And right. I mean, down to like the discipline, man. You know, what I'm saying because like I've seen it all. I've seen I've seen the crazy good store. I've seen when they used to do the meetings at King Cole's. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying I've been in the studio with them. You know, what I mean we've been to the all the different shows at the at the Bayfront Amphitheater and this, that, and the third. Yeah. You know what I mean? The mixtapes, all the different artists. It's like, it's been a process, man. And all those guys have like stood, stood by him through thick and thin. And, you know, they've been there for him and for the brand. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, they, they're just as important to the whole situation as he is as the leader. In our next episode, we speak to more members of our extended family. You'll just have to tune in and find out who. Until then, here are some last words from this week's guests. Hey, yo, what up, what up? It's your boy Capone, man. I want to say congratulations to my family, my extended familia. Crazy hood, man. Y'all crazy motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? I love y'all. I wish y'all much more success. I want to see y'all do 20 more years. You know what I'm saying? Because... Got this design game, you know what I'm saying? I'm your brother for life. Paul, CNN, I'm out. This is Money Love, and I am a proud member of the extended family of Crazy Hood, the tree that never stops loving. This is Nick Fury, HD of Liquid Shield, and I'm here to celebrate 25 years of Crazy Hood Productions and beyond. Uh, this is like a, a milestone, and I just believe that, you know, there's so much more to come from these guys, and I, I wish you all the love and blessings, and you know I'm always here. I'm going to be that that uh, that extra member that, you know what I'm saying, you know is there, but I'm not really on the, I'm not really on the uh, manifest, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, yo, much love, yo, peace. Yeah, this is Thurston Howard III, the Polo Weekend, Skillionaire, Low Life General, and all that. Just want to say happy 25th anniversary to Crazy Hood Productions, DJ ESN Garcia, the whole team. Much success to you guys. Much love and loyalty. Y'all know I stand for that shit all day. Two L's, baby. Yo, what up, Miss Scam? You now rocking with the best. Celebrating Crazy Hood 25th anniversary. What up, E? What up, Garcia? What up, Rich? What up, Charlie? What up, Dream? What up, Heck? What up, Thoughts? It's a long list. But y'all know what it is. Yo, what up? It's your man Hazardous Sounds repping that Crazy Hood, Crazy Hood 25th anniversary. You know what I mean? 25 years of getting stronger every year. Let's go. Make sure y'all look out and go get that hazmat gear as well at 89.com. Also got that Legends Only remix album about to drop. And make sure you look out for that single Uno Mas remix featuring Wiz Khalifa, Miguel, Pharrell, Nori, Jay Alvarez, produced by Hazardous Sounds. Boom! Yo, what up? It's Recognized from the World Famous Mayday Crew. And I just want to say congratulations to my brothers from Crazy Hood Productions celebrating 25 years of funk. Killing the game, represent Miami culture and hip hop all around the world. 
Um, I love y'all. Keep it on going. Here's to another 25 years. Peace. New episodes of Family Ties come out weekly. Family Ties is a Crazy Hood Productions. This episode was produced by DJ EFN and myself, Jay Havana. Our theme music is titled Southwest by DJ EFN featuring MC8, Blue, and Can with production by The Guild. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps new people find out about the show. Also, check us out on Audioboom and CrazyHood.com. Always authentic. Always crazy.